The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, biggest cat's outcry since that movie. Chelsea with their Abu Dhabi do. Untruths universally acknowledged. What's it like to have games in hand? Midweek action and a big weekend preview. It's a bumper Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. All right. Uh, it's Thursday, 10th of February. You are the listener. We are Duncan Alexander, Lindsay Hooper, and in a rare audio appearance, Nick Miller. Hello. Hi. Oh, yeah, that's what he sounds like. Straight <laughs> dis- disconcerting, isn't it? The man behind the Totally Football yearbook and loads of great pieces on The Athletic. What are you writing at the moment, Nick? Uh, I'm writing a piece about uh, football as documentaries, particularly these kind of single subject things with the Wayne Rooney documentary out this week. Oh. My central point being, why do these footballers bother doing them? And uh, okay. yeah, I think it's going out on Saturday. Is the answer money? Uh, in an indirect way, yes. They. Uh, it's also kind of ego and trying to, uh, as everyone I spoke to said, control the narrative about their lives and careers. So. Love to control the narrative. Yeah, yeah. The Rooney video, uh, the second most shared bit of footballer video uh, this week, <laughs> of course, number one being Kurt Zuma with feline, flying feline. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh, which I must admit, I, I saw briefly at the time and then, you know, immediately switched off. And I, I went back and watched the whole thing today because I thought we'll probably be talking about this after he played for West Ham on Tuesday. It, it, it is extraordinary. Um, any thoughts on the? I mean, beyond what he did, but the big controversy after West Ham's game against Watford was the fact that he started. Mm. I think it was a delayed reaction. I think we got there in the end. The cats have been taken away, which I think is what most people wanted to see first. Um, there has been a hefty fine, um, huge fine, isn't it? Two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Yeah. Um, He's lost a sponsorship. One of West Ham's sponsors has also uh, withdrawn, the, uh, has ended their uh, relationship over this as well. Just, I mean, and it is, I think, it's the right kind of action to be taken. But it, I don't think David Moyes' uh, comments after the game helped many people with the fact that Kurt Zuma just started as if nothing had happened. Am I overreacting here? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, and he could have, it could have just been all been avoided if he'd have not played. Zuma against one of the worst teams in the Premier League, so even his football decision defence didn't hold up massively. Um, mm. He could have, you know, even if you just look at it from a fairly cynical PR point of view, he could have saved everyone a lot of trouble and potentially money by the by the sounds of the sponsors dropping out. If you know he'd have uh, just kind of done the right thing. Mm. Moyes, uh, Moyes, of course, earlier on in the season. Uh, defended people uh, who are sceptical about the COVID vaccine on the basis of diversity as well. So he's building up a quite a portfolio. Mm. I, I can't understand the football statement from Moyes that it, it it was a club matter and that he had to deal with matters on the pitch because, of course, it's a football matter. You know, even when you're safeguarding players in other circumstances when there is public anger and there was probably anger as well from a lot of people playing on the pitch as well 
Um, I mean, we heard some of the chants, didn't we, from Watford fans when he went down and had a little bit of a kick. You know, that's how the cat feels. But that could have actually escalated. So there was a footballing angle to this. I mean, it might have even been that there was a hefty injury to Zuma afterwards. It could have gone that way even, but what, if, of course it came Watford into... What if players had, had taken retribution for the feline world yeah. on, on Zuma? Or just I'd, been a bit rougher than usual, you know? If you haven't seen the video, and, you know, well done for not watching it, Zuma does essentially drop kick a cat. Well, he, he takes a cat from another room, walks into the kitchen and then drop kicks it across the kitchen floor. He then proceeds to, from the video, hunt the cat uh, and throw things really violently at the cat. His son then catches the cat, places it on the table for Zuma to hit. I mean, it is, it's, it's not one act of, mm. of, of, of violence towards a, a household pet. It's, it's a pretty concerted kind of sustained period of nastiness. I mean, it's difficult to phrase this. I mean, I, you absolutely have to... It's a terrible act. It's awful. No one wants to see, see that. But, but also the... The kind of surreal nature of this week of looking, glancing up at Sky Sports News and seeing that cats have been taken into care. And, and, and it's just, you know, it's, sometimes it feels like, the, I mean, I predicted at the start of the season as a joke that a dog would be loose on a, on a Premier League pitch at some point this season. Um, the I got the wrong animal in the wrong scenario. But it does, the, the, there's a level of kind of extraordinary surreal narrative to the Premier mm. League that, that does set it apart from, from many things. And... Uh, I don't think anyone saw this this coming, did they? And you looked up again, Duncan, and then saw the cat at Sheffield Wednesday that was mm. kindly well, escorted off and apparently had been a missing cat yeah. and it ended up being found. Well, that, you know, the yin and the yang and the karma of the... If some of, good comes of the Kurt Zuma business, perhaps it's, perhaps it's that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only thing that occurred to me was... Are there more players with the letters C-A-T in their name to have scored in the of Premier League than D-O-G? Um, <laughs> so it's actually not... They're you quite know close, what, Duncan, so... don't worry. It's OK. <laughs> what? Do you want to know? I think people uh, want to know. We'll, we'll, we'll save oh, that right, to the end then, shall we? Yeah. We'll save that uh, to the yeah. end. Number of goals, I'd be going dog for Drogba if it was number of goals, but are you talking All right, about go on, different then. goal scorers? Go no, on, Duncan. <laughs> All right. Well, cats, we'll um... cats ahead. Cats ahead. It's another win for cats. Yes, the correct, the right decision. Thank you, Duncan. Mm. All right. Well, uh, much more of this kind of thing on the way. We'll we, we'll hear from Natalie Gendro, who's out in Abu Dhabi on the Club World Cup final. Chelsea Palmeiras coming up on Saturday. But first of all, we've got some Premier League midweek drama to talk about. Let's get the scores. Tuesday, a big win for Newcastle, 3-1 over Everton. Moving out of the bottom three, platoon, leaving the Toffees, just two from the drop. West Ham beat Watford, 1-0. And Burnley held United to a 1-1 draw. United's players now want a new manager, we read. Wednesday, a mad game in North London between Spurs and Southampton. Saints eventually emerging 3-2 winners. Elsewhere, it was pretty busy at Villa. And their 3-3 draw with Leeds. There was a 1-1 draw for Norwich and Crystal Palace. Wolf Zaha with a remarkable goal and an even more remarkable penalty miss. And Man City beat Brentford 2-0. And of course, we'll be talking loads about that. Still to play, Liverpool-Leicester. That's on Thursday, as is Wolves-Arsenal, Lindsay. Huh. Uh, in the meantime, who, who saw what? Did anyone catch the classic slice of Premier League? Ding-dong, back and forth, bit of VAR, bit of clattering challenges, side order of hubris that was Spurs 2, Southampton 3. Another one in by Ward, Prowse, another header, and another goal! A 
as well. He's Che Adams this time. And Southampton have turned this game on its head and lead 3-2. Duncan, what was your favourite bit of this mad evening's entertainment? Um, I mean, probably the, the Antonio Conte mini meltdown towards the end. Um, it's rare to see a manager so angry after his team have taken the lead. But, um, mm. I mean, I think Southampton had every right to say there should have been a foul on the on the touchline. Um, yeah. Uh, the play so this was on. Emerson Royale taking out uh, Armando Brogia. Yeah, and, and obviously Brogia had been, uh, played brilliantly and he was pretty much clattered. I mean, I think everyone can agree it would normally be given as a foul. Anyway, play mm. went on. Spurs took the lead and it looked it looked then like they would go on to, to seal a probably unfair win because Southampton played absolutely brilliantly in the game. They pressed them. They were just, I mean, kind of really want Southampton to win the FA Cup because they deserve something from, you know, after the last few seasons of uh, losing 9-0 here and there. Um, you know, Salisu was brilliant again. Um, a lot of Ghanaians wondered why I didn't go, but there we go. But yeah, Conte got really angry with Southampton's protests. Um, and then the, the Lord Hubris, uh, as yeah. you said... If you're, if is it possibly the most hubris inviting thing you could do? Shush the opposition when you take the lead when you're a Spurs manager. <laughs> you are, yeah, you are invoking some forces that you do not know. I mean, you know, they dug but, too deep when they built that stadium. Right. <laughs> when, but as you say, though, uh, it, it, in many ways, the fair result because Saints were absolutely brilliant amidst a tricky, what looked like it was going to be a tricky run for them in the Premier League. They've now drawn at home with Manchester City, beaten Spurs, and they got Man United coming up on Saturday. Speaking of teams that have beaten them nine nil of late, uh, <laughs> we have to always bring that up. Well, <laughs> it, it was a singular. A singular result. What about the work that Ralph Hasenhuttle has, has done mm. with Southampton? Did, did we expect to see them there in 10th place? No, not at the beginning of the season, I didn't. Um, but as much as Duncan was loving the the sideline antics of Conte, I was loving the re- the reaction from Hasenhuttle. You could see how much passion he's still got. Um, and if you're a Southampton fan travelling and watching that sort of game and then you see your manager reacting that way, there is a lot of fight in this team yet to come. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do go on a really good run in the FA Cup. I think there's a lot in this team now. I mean, James Ward-Prowse, mm. I, I think I'm bordering on getting fed up of like waxing lyrical about him because he's so good. His deliveries, I don't think there's anyone else in the Premier League that can put it on a postage stamp like he does. They had Spurs on the ropes. My only criticism is that certainly in the first half, I think they they got so much more possession, so many more shots. They weren't burying the game at that point. Mm. I mean, they came away with the win here, but it, it could have ended up easily a draw this one and they would have felt hard done by. So they need to get that over the line. But this is the sort of result that we'll see them kick on, I think. You know, they're not going to sit back now. If they can get anywhere near seventh, why not go for it? All right. They will go on a run after this result, says Lindsay. Clip that up for Monday's show. 23 <laughs> shots they had, 10 on target away at Spurs. Spurs only mustering 8 and 3. Nick? Uh, to answer your question to Duncan, I think my favourite moment of the game, I think it was in the second half, there was a, a cross over to the back post by a Spurs player who might have been Reggie on. And basically, uh, Harry Kane looked as if he was going to head it straight in and then Emerson Royale went up for it as well. <laughs> Which kind of reminded me of uh, that. Um, did we all see that guy who was on Question Time a couple of weeks ago? Who basically he was arguing <laughs> yeah. with the uh, the uh, immunologist based yep. on some like documents he'd found on Reddit <laughs> or something. I studied philosophy at university. Yeah, that guy. 
Yeah, so it's just like... Mike Dean's yellow card system, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Emerson Royale just kind of barging the expert out of the way to kind of, you know, try and score a goal, but you know, <laughs> probably should have left it. Yeah, Emerson Royale is, as, as we all are, tired of experts. The uh, James Ward-Prowse question, though, he's Keshav Varanvol, indeed, asking why he hasn't moved to a top six side yet. Surely he's good enough, says Keshav. His dead balls alone should be worthy. I think we'll talk about Brogia moving before James Ward-Prowse does. Well, he's owned by Chelsea, no, Brogia? Yeah, yeah, he'll hmm. go back to Chelsea, I I imagine, because strikers are a rare commodity at the minute. And and obviously the fortunate goal that Lukaku scored in the Club World Cup, the way that Hmm. it fell to him, will help his confidence. But there is definitely room in, in that squad for Brogia. So I think he'll go, yeah, James Ward-Prowse moving on. I I don't know why someone hasn't come in from, say, the top four sides for him. I think he could, I look at Grealish's move to City and I think James Ward-Prowse could actually have offered them something else. If he was a yard faster, I think he would definitely be at a top top four, top six club. But he, as we know, his dead ball plays is exceptional. Weirdly, that was only the second time in his career he'd got two assists in a Premier League game, but only took him two minutes, 16, to do it. And it was both times Spurs were like, yeah, just as James will press, we enjoy watching him cross the ball. Let's see where it goes. Oh, dear. But yeah, I think he's obviously been on the periphery of the England team as well. And he is... I thought it was unlucky not to get into the into the Euro squad. He does offer something very different. But, um, different. He wants to be David Beckham, essentially. I mean, he's been chasing down those records, hasn't he? Scoring free kicks in Premier League matches. Yeah. Um, so why not Man United? I, actually? I think, weirdly, if they do switch to five substitutes, I think he could go to a big club. I think he's the sort of player that you... that that you'd, a, a big team would, would hmm. love to have on the bench for a certain... You know, if you see a game is going a certain way, bring him on. Um, that might give him, you know, a bit more potential. Spurs' top four ambitions take a knock uh, after their 2-0 defeat as well in the previous game by Chelsea. Southampton, as we mentioned next up, will be at Old Trafford, where they did lose 9-0 last time, taking on Man United. Intriguing matchup this, because it's uh, Ralph against Ralph... Assuming there are no changes by the weekend, uh, Ralph Rangnick uh, against Ralph uh, Hasenhutl, uh, the pair previously working together at RB Leipzig. Natch between 2016 uh, 2018, Hasenhutl was manager, Rangnick the sporting director. Well, Man United, we've heard about Southampton, but Man United warming up for Saturday's clash uh, with another disappointing result 1 1 draw away at Turf Moor against Burnley. I'm reading Thursday morning that Man United's players want Pochettino. Why? And where does this come from? Nick, you're in the journalism biz. Have, have, have The Athletic had calls from people briefing for Man United players or Man United or Poch? What's behind all this? Um, I mean, this, this will be a briefing from, uh, I, I suspect, someone's agent who plays uh, some player for Manchester United who um, has been leaking some kind of thing that may suit them you say I'm in the journalism game myself yeah maybe on the edge of it so right. I kind of hear things uh third hand but um fourth yeah, hand for uh, you listener how does that feel yeah <laughs> this is why you're listening to this fourth hand information um <laughs> yeah I don't know that you get you get kind of I've read a couple of things saying well you know the the why should the the players be deciding the the manager which I don't know. It feels like a slightly odd thing to say because it's slightly easier to 
it's easy to get rid of managers than it is for players. So why don't you just kind of tailor uh, to a point the uh, managerial appointments of the players you have? Nick, no, that's madness. That's like that way lies Lord of the Flies. You've already lost the dressing heads room on, on day one. And, yeah. <laughs> well, you can't, the, the, they you can't have managers depending on the players' favour. Should be the other way around. No, anyway, I think it's it's at least worth you know some feedback. Uh, I don't know. Are there any players in the United squad who have played for Pochettino before? I, I think it's at least worth you know asking the question. Maybe not if they're demanding that someone comes in just because well, it suits absolutely. them. Yeah, uh, Burnley fans and they are legion uh, are demanding that we talk about about Sean Dyche's great work at Tiff. Wouldn't it be great actually to see Sean Dyche take over it? Old Trafford. In the meantime, he's fighting this rearguard campaign with Burnley, who pick up a point thanks to Jay Rodriguez' equaliser after some phenomenal work by that vote veg horse, eh? The big mm. man, the giant, the ent of, of Lancashire. Um, that's my new name for him. I don't think I'll catch on. <laughs> um, yeah, I love him. Already, I think he's my favourite Premier League player. Just, just a, Already? Yeah. Maybe ever. Um, he's just a, a Who was? Who's he, who's he usurped in your heart? Uh, Kevin Davis. Opinion. So you can see oh, really? the thing. Um, yeah. No, probably not. But, I mean, it, it does vary. But I do, I do enjoy a kind of um, a team signing a player who mm. just fits into that team. I mean, it goes back to the next point, Manchester United, I think. But um, it's a cliche, but... A good touch for a big man. His his bit of play to set up that goal was great. He had a shot that David De Gea made a really good save from as well. Burnley, they really woke up in the second half. They didn't have a shot in the first half, but they were all over United in the second half. And it was a lot of United fans on Twitter at half-time saying, oh, we've played really well, but we all know what happens now. We can only do one half. Mm. And people going, yeah, but it is Burnley. But lo and behold, you know, it happened. And United were lucky to hang on in, in the end. Mm. All evidence as well suggests that Burnley have made an upgrade on Chris Wood. Thought Veghorst looked much mm. better. R- Ranić was saying after the game, he kept going on about the you know, well, we scored three goals, we scored three goals, when two of them got, I mean, I, I think correctly disallowed. Mm. It just seemed a bit strange that he was kept kind of going on about that in a post-match interview. I mean, you know, whoever's doing his PR has really got their work cut out for him. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people seeing positives in what even and Carl was making this point on Monday that the idea is there, the execution isn't yet. Should should United and their players trust the process? You can't really trust a process that's only going to last six months, can you? Right, is that the unless issue? You're, unless you're is he the, is he the supply well. teacher in the unruly? Yeah, that's the vibe, people. isn't it? You you need you need the sort of the fear of longevity right. in the dressing room. Um, Didn't also, he joke, though, that he might appoint himself because he was going to go <laughs> further up the chain and then potentially yes. appoint himself when he's in that new role? So we could Brilliant. see more of him. A dual role, mm. maybe. Yeah. All right. Caretaker, director of football manager. It's never been done, but not mm. yet. Um, we should also point out that once again, Ronaldo didn't look particularly happy. I'm starting to think that CU... Is just short for see you back in the dressing room because I'm going straight <laughs> off the pitch. Nice, nice. All right, well, he's without a goal now in his last five appearances. That's his worst run at club level since also going five games without a goal at Real Madrid. That was 11 years ago, crikey. Burnley with that point, still bottom of the table. But we'll look at the situation in the relegation fight and all the games in hand that a little bit later on. Uh, Man United's top four rivals, meanwhile, Arsenal still to play. 
They'll be facing Wolves, as we heard at Molyneux on Thursday night. West Ham beat Watford to move back into fourth place. Uh, Jared Bowen with his sixth goal in his last six games. What a remarkable 2022 he is having. Watford, meanwhile, two games so far under Roy Hodgson, yet to score. Uh, very good. Well, I mentioned Burnley still being bottom. They're four points from safety. They have two games in hand on Newcastle, who have just emerged from the bottom three, and we'll hear about how they did that next. Hi again, listeners. It's me. I'm Carl Monaghan from Putty Power. Chelsea, on the back of European dominance last season, had huge ambitions to taste Premier League glory this term, and when Romelu Lukaku joined from Inter for the best part of £96 million, it seemed that he may have been the final piece of their jigsaw. It just has not quite happened for the Blues this season for a number of reasons. Tuchel's men have struggled for consistency. They've won only 10 of their last 20 games in all competitions before flying out to the UAE. Hardly the form of a league-winning juggernaut. It's fair to say that Lukaku, so far at least, has failed to justify his massive price tag with just 10 goals in all competitions to date. Of course, he got the decisive goal the other night for Chelsea. But Chelsea, under the Germans' reign, are an opportunistic bunch, as we saw last season's smashing ground win in the Champions League. And more opportunity presents itself this week as the Blues have a great chance to be crowned FIFA Club World Cup champions. And all they have to do is beat Palmeiras in the Club World Cup final. The Brazilians meet Chelsea after disposing of the African champions Al Hali of Egypt in their semi-final on Tuesday. A second half strike from one Dudu settled the contest. On Wednesday, Chelsea avoided stepping in Dudu themselves when they booked their place in the final after seeing off the Asian champions Al Halil in their semi-final. The Paddy Power traders don't fear the Brazilians. They make Chelsea 3-10 to to win the competition. Palmeiras are 11-5. to And then in the match betting, folks, Chelsea are odds on at 13-20 to win the match. The draw is 27-10 and Palmeiras are 15-4. to You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or indeed the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s. T's and C's apply. BeGambleAware.org and remember, take time to think. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Producer Charlie's just been on to say that the one Man United player who's previously featured under Pochettino is Luke Shaw, who did it at Southampton, of course. Hmm. Don't know what that means. Ooh, Totally Football League shows out today, Thursday, with Matt Davis Adams. Among the many talking points, Derby getting to just four points now from safety and Fulham continuing their extraordinary title bid. They beat Millwall 3-0, a brace for Alexander Mitrovic, which takes his tally to 30 league goals this season. And it's still only February. Duncan, hit us with a stat. Um, no one has hit 50 in the second tier um, since George Camsell got 59 back in the 20s. Is that a so... true fact? That is a true fact. He, Cheapers. He, George Campbell famously obviously did 59, probably went, I'm a bit disappointed it wasn't around number 60, but at least that record's going to last for a long time. And then the following season, Dixie Dean got 60. So, um, wow. poor old George Campbell. But yeah, oh, I mean, indeed. I think if if Mitrovic can get to 50, um, yeah. which isn't, on the current rate, is about 49, 48, 49-ish, so it's doable, then that would be some achievement. He's currently, as per your Twitter feed, ahead of Brentford and Millwall for league goals this season and only one behind Palace. Extraordinary. But has he found his level? 
I don't know, Lindsay. Maybe they'll have a view on that on the Football League show. Maybe. The offside rule is also out now <laughs> uh, with an eye on Chelsea Arsenal, which is coming up, Lindsay. Mark this one in your diary. Uh, Friday night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I better mark WSL. it in my diary. I'm, I've got yeah. to be there. You're going to be hosting coverage, no, for Sky Sports? Yes, I will. I will be what? in the studio for this one. Mm. Um, everyone's talking about it as a title decider. I'm not sure if that's a bit strong because we've had some shock results this season. So we've seen... Arsenal lose to Birmingham. We've seen Chelsea lose to Reading. Those results are there. They could happen at some point. So I don't think it's a decider, but I think it's a, a momentum shifter. Is that how you describe it? If That's Chelsea exactly, win, yeah. yeah, then mm. it suddenly becomes them that are in the hot seat. For any listener who uh, maybe doesn't follow WSL as assiduously as you do, I, why would you tell them to tune into this on Friday night? Oh, it's going to be the game of the season. And I mean, I, I won't even hold back to say that it's probably going to go a long way to telling us who will win. Right. Um, there obviously are quite a few fixtures left after this one, but when first versus second, two points in it, Chelsea can leapfrog Arsenal. Chelsea proving as well in recent seasons that they know how to win and they can win ugly sometimes. Um, tactical um, matchup as well between Jonas Eideval and Emma Hayes. Yeah, it's got everything. We've got Sam Kerr as well back, um, mm. and she's been fantastic uh, for Chelsea this season. You could see Frank Kirby coming. I think actually the front three for both sides could be really interesting, so we could uh, hopefully get a few goals in it. All right. Well, the, the, the last meeting back at the Emirates was pretty special. A five-goal thriller there. Uh, let's see what Friday holds. Uh, back to the Premier League, a Tuesday night in Newcastle. Newcastle 3-1 winners over Everton. Looks like that January window might just have saved the Magpies' bacon after all. New signing Kieran Trippier with the standout performance alongside perhaps Alisson Maxima. Yeah, I mean, it's the, when Newcastle signed Trippier, it was a, I think there was a, a bit of kind of, I don't know, doubt why they were spending so much money on a, a right-back in his 30s, about whether that will have a particularly significant impact on their form. But obviously they basically signed a whole new defence. And as we saw Trippier's free kicks and crossing ability when you've got someone like uh, Chris Wood in the middle as well, was a huge difference in, in this game. And we've seen, I think, will be for the, for the rest of the season. Yeah, and also you're kind of signing an attitude, like a professionalism that I think that that Newcastle defence pretty much hasn't had for a while. And you saw it in that game. He was, as you say, Nick, outstanding going forward, but really good at the back, very organisational. He was defending his teammates when there were fouls. He was talking to the referee. He was passing on instructions. It's it's that sort of almost intangible level of quality that, that you get if you've played for you know, big teams, you've played for Atletico Madrid in the latter stages of the Champions League, etc. So, yeah, it did seem a bit, as you say, a lot of money for a right-back in his 30s, but I think it could be one of the... If he stays fit, he did look slightly injured at the end of the match, but it could be one of the, the key building blocks for Newcastle. So Maximan as well, I mean, he was obviously brilliant in this game, and when he plays like that, you do, you do get this sort of Ward-Prowse question of why he isn't playing for someone a bit better. But as a neutral, I think he's kind of in the perfect place because if he played for a top six team, then there'd be so much more attention on him that you would see everyone picking out his, you know, fairly relatively considerable flaws as well. So mm. it's just a bit nicer to have him in a team like that, but maybe don't get as much attention. To, uh, and when uh, when he does get that attention, uh, it's to watch the highlight reels of, of games like Tuesday night when he just looks absolutely sensational. He did. And 
every time I watch Newcastle, he's head and shoulders their best player. I mean, we're talking about Trippier, but I, I think Sam Maximan edged it on this one. He is unplayable at times. I think there are there are lots of Premier League opposition players that would name him in their top three of not wanting to come up against them. Now Adama Traore has gone as well. He's definitely in the top three. Mm. You say head and shoulders, but his head and shoulders are magnificent, comfortably the best <laughs> best hair in in the Premier League. And uh, well, yeah, so much fun to watch. It's nice that he's not gone to one of the bigger sides. Nice to have players like that around the rest. Oh, the division, hugely entertaining game this, uh, starting off with back-to-back own goals to get things underway. Uh, Jamal Lascelles diverting a Mason Holgate into his own net and then what felt like about three seconds later, the, the two players inverting at the other end. Yeah, it's the, it's the shortest gap between two own goals in Premier League history and uh, it's the first time that they've inversed like that as well. So mm. it, it, was, it was just a glitch. Occasionally... You know, there's a glitch in the game, and and you see some of the code, and there, there it was. But um, it kind of it set up the game really well because it, it, you know, the the first own goal came from a ridiculously stupid John Joe Chelvey uh, tackle on the right wing. You know, which you can coach some things out of players, but you can't coach that out of Chelvey, I guess. But um, but yeah, it was a really kind of it reminded me of a game from the 1990s. Actually, it had a sort mm. of kind of ebb and flow. The atmosphere at St James's Park obviously was was very good, and and you could see that both teams knew that it was a huge match for the rest of the season. Frank Lampard hadn't quite grasped that you don't play Jordan Pickford away at Newcastle. Um, that was the first time Pickford had played in this fixture since 2019 with Southgate watching. <laughs> yeah, he did all right relatively. Um, and Everton are they're one point ahead of Newcastle now, and I know they've got a, a game in hand over them and a few others, but. They're in quite a lot of trouble. That was Lampard's sixth defeat in his ni- last nine Premier League games, obviously, mm. including the, the end at Chelsea. And, yeah, I think it's going to be an ent- you know an interesting few months. Uh, a couple of other fun things about that game. Newcastle in their matchday squad having not only the tallest player in the Premier League, Dan Byrne, six foot seven, but also the shortest player in the Premier League, Ryan Fraser, five foot four, who, of course... Got the second goal, giving the Magpies the lead. And, of course, it was Trippier with the free kick, which was his first goal since August 2018. I'm stunned by that bit of information. Uh, who made it 3-1. Everton have been in the top flight since 1954. Duncan, are you saying that they're actually going to go down? No, but I think they're, they're in for a bit of a scrap. And they, they might go down. Stranger things have happened. They're placing quite a lot of faith in the, the the sort of plan to keep them up and revamp in January. It was appointing a manager who no one really knows whether he's any good or not, and then signing a couple of midfielders, one that everyone thinks is great but has barely played in eighteen months, and the other that people sort of vaguely think, well, maybe sprinkle a bit of midfielder magic dust on him and he'll get back to his old self again. Right. When uh, Deli Ali kind of there were, if you include the sort of last knockings of. Pochettino, there were four managers there who didn't get a tune out of him. So it's he may well be the classic kind of change of scenery guy, and he'll turn out to be great for Everton. And Lampard will teach him everything he knows. But it is a bit of a, it feels like a bit of a punt. Those signings were pitched as these are players that have got something to prove. I didn't see Mm. that in this game at all. I didn't see it from Deli Ali. I didn't see it from Donny Van der Beek at all. And that's concerning, isn't it? You know, when, you, when you've when you just signed, you've got the new manager, usually you get that 
that purple patch, don't you, for, from those new signings and coming in and trying to prove yourself. It's then about maintaining it and having consistency. He's got to get a tune out of them really quick. Um, may, maybe the best signing was El Ghazi. The ca- the caveat for this game obviously is that they they lost a couple of very important players in the mm. first half to injury. Um, Demarigo has probably been their best attacker this season, and Yerry Minas is kind of essentially the only grown up in yeah. the defence, um, and he's I, I think probably quite concerned about him because he's he's barely played this season, and a couple of the times he has played, he's immediately got injured again. So um, yeah. that's a that's a, a big problem for them. I mean, they need Calvert Lewin back. Um, he is the best forward, even. Allowing for my boy Val Weghurst, he's probably the best striker of any any of those teams down there. I've got. I think if you put Calvert Lewin into the Newcastle team, a fit Calvert Lewin, they'd be they'd be fine. So yeah, he that's been a big loss as well this season. So um, getting him fit, I think he he will play a bit like Tammy Abraham did uh, for Lampard. Similar has shot some similar sort of areas, but I think I think Everton have got enough. But you know. There's always one team that that really sort of spirals down in the second half of the season, um, mm. and it could be them. Could when be you them. have big players as well that that need an arm around them, and you think about Lampard's attention right now, is he going to have? How to many give, arms has he got? Yeah, how many <laughs> arms has he got, and and is he going to have to really focus on Ali and and Van der Beek? I think about Damari Gray, and mm. I think maybe he'll be ignored. Maybe some of these players that have actually been doing really well, Anthony Gordon came through. Maybe they're going to get ignored. Because now these names have come in and they're going to demand more attention. Well, hopefully he's got a big enough heart for all the squad. But they have got a game on this weekend. It's Everton-Leeds. Will Frank be sending scouts out with pliers to the Leeds training ground in revenge for Spygate when Leeds were fined 200 grand when uh, a member of the Leeds staff spied on Lampard's derby? Um, only for Leeds, presumably to then go and play exactly the same way they always do. But uh, yes, and the, the the kind of funny part of that was that Bielsa Bielsa gave this kind of punishingly long press conference yeah. to kind of explain why he did it. And as part of that, he basically said, "Look, it probably doesn't make any difference at all. I just get a bit twitchy if I haven't massively overprepared. So this is this is part of that. It doesn't really make a difference." Hmm. Um, all right. Well. Dossiers will be being prepared even now on Frank Lampard's Everton. Everton now just uh, just outside the bottom three. They're only two points from the drop. Newcastle only one point behind them. And one point ahead, the Magpies of Norwich, who have dropped back into the danger zone with Watford and Burnley. Burnley have only played 20 games. Everton have played 21. Newcastle and Watford have played 22. And Norwich are whopping 23. So Burnley, and to an extent Everton, have an abundance of games in hand. That's always regarded as a positive. Nick, you've just written a piece about what it's actually like when it becomes a bit of a millstone hanging around your neck. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because every every person in football, kind of managers, players, former managers and players, said that you don't want lots of games in hand because it does become a bit of a mil, uh, millstone and you know you uh, the, the the extra pressure on the games in hand is counterproductive um, but then with actually with a, a huge assist from Duncan Alexander uh, on this Hello. Um, uh, looking at the previous examples of teams that have a lot have had a lot of games in hand in the Premier League uh, almost all of them 
improved after the point where they had lots of games in hand uh, and no one's uh, I think the 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 low the, the most anyone dropped in terms of league position was one place um, and this was about 12 or 13 teams so um, anecdotal evidence says a bad says a bad thing uh, kind of actual evidence suggests that uh, it's a positive there you go Duncan Alexander is not just there for how many teams have the letters to cat in <laughs> Players, not teams. Prim- Come on. Primarily, though. Prim- the, 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 the Primarily, useful, cat and dog. The, the useful statistical stuff is, uh, um, you know, is very much a, a side project of his. The, the cat right. stuff is what is the real kind. Yeah. Drives him. That's the Precisely. passion. We all enjoy the sport we call the beautiful game. But since I've retired, I've discovered an ugly, even darker side to the sport we love. Join me as Jamie Redknapp investigates. Thanks, Jamie. We'll take it from here. Join Jamie Redknapp for Jamie Investigates, the football mockumentary series. Watch on Paddy Power's Twitter. This week, Jamie investigates people who still call the Premier League the Premiership. Do you know the truth? Paddy Power. 18plusbecomealawyer.org This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. We've just been talking about Leeds. What game that was at Villa Park. Sensational! It was one of the best fun games I've I've watched in in some time. I mean, Villa were Leeds started brilliantly, then Villa were uh, incredible for about twenty twenty five minutes. Mm. Um, Jacob Ramsey was uh, scored <laughs> two goals. You kind of when they signed uh, Coutinho, you, I, I, they're, they're different players, but I kind of thought well, you, you sort of worried that Ramsey was going to kind of get forced out of the team a little bit, which would have been a, a huge shame, but they seem to be dovetailing beautifully at the moment. Um, obviously, Coutinho's pass for Ramsey's first goal, I think it was. Or was it both goals yeah. he assisted? Yeah, yeah both. Yeah. 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 But the, the first the, the pass, yeah. the pass for the first one was a, was absolutely sensational. Um, and a couple of kind of very different, but equally sensational and, and composed uh, finishes. Villa mm. then kind of dropped off quite a lot in the second half. Um, Ezri Konsa got sent off um, and uh, Leeds kind of did their thing and got back. I particularly enjoyed Dan James's. Uh, it was the uh, Leeds' second goal. Um, he went up for a header with um, with Mings and Konsa. Mings he he started out directly in line with the ball. Mings knocked him out of the way, and then Konsa then knocked him back into the way, and the ball <laughs> then hit his head and went in. It was a, it's a glorious kind of human pinball that eventually resulted in a goal for Leeds. It's like a toddler on a trampoline with two eight-year-olds just getting bashed back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Crikey, that's quite an image. Uh, Dan James with a fabulous brace in that game, which is a real boost for a player whose end product has generally been brought into question. Philippe Coutinho now with as many Premier League assists this season as Jack Grealish. Yes, and Dan James with as many Premier League away goals this season as Cristiano Ronaldo, which, Ooh. given the Ooh. the transfer dealings at the end mm. of August at Old Trafford, uh, might make you think. Clap the fans as well at the end. So, 
<laughs> a pointed message to his former teammate. Mm. Uh, also, this midweek, Man City had a tuna win over Brentford. Ria Mares becoming only the second Man City player to score in five successive Premier League appearances. That won't last long with Pep's rotation. Well, but it's his appearances, <laughs> no? So as long as when oh, okay. he does in get his a chance appearances. to score. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, uh, well, there you go. That's a nice stat for him. What if Pep plays the first existential formation in football history? So he's, he scores, <laughs> he's not actually there. Then it'll <laughs> shatter that stat. Okay. And facing Man City next are Norwich, who had a 1-1 draw with Crystal Palace. Uh, a 1-1 draw in which they took the lead after, what, Duncan, 38 seconds through Teimo Puki? Yeah, fastest goal this season in the Premier League. Is that right? Is that right? And then uh, Wilfred Zaha had, well, a worldie, mm. and then one of the worst Premier League penalties ever? Yeah, he sort of slipped and kicked the ball into his ankle. And yeah, it was. It's the sort of penalty that you'd get a retake if you were a kid, but this is the Premier League, so I'm afraid not. It reminded right. fans of kind of 90s uh, blooper videos may remember Peter Devine, um, the guy mm. who. Uh, basically tripped over before taking the penalty and um, right. scuffed it in a sort of similar manner. Was it captioned "Divine Comedy"? I hope it was. Uh, many, I think, in many places. I do, for, yeah. for, a, for an article, there's the strange yeah. places that to articles... err is human, to foul up a penalty is divine. Did they do that one as well? <laughs> I, I mean, maybe we should reboot this just so we can use those. <laughs> Uh, for, for for an article a couple of years ago, I tried to interview Peter Devine and actually managed to get hold of him, but he politely declined to talk about it because presumably he thought I was going to take the piss royally. But yeah, right, okay. presumably, like of course you were. <laughs> I was I was gonna I was gonna ask you how it had affected his life and you know talk about it in a very human yeah, sense. Yeah, keep getting run up by Nick Miller. It's a nightmare every yeah. day. <laughs> not the only time, of course, that that penalty incident. Not the only time a, a Devine has had to eat <laughs> on camera. Of course. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, How long Norwich... have you been sat on that one? How long? <laughs> so, Nor- <laughs> Norwich, Norwich taking on Man City, uh, who they actually beat. Do you remember this? Uh, last mm. time Man City went to Carroll Road, it was admittedly pre-pandemic in far off pre-pandemic time, September 2019, but that was their last visit to Carrow Road, and Norwich beat them. Fabulous. All right. Uh, do you want to have a quick run-through what's coming up this weekend? Yeah? Here we go. Man United up against Southampton. That's the early game on on Saturday. Then you've got Norwich Man City in the evening between those two. Everton Leeds, Watford Brighton, and Brentford Palace. Sunday, there's Burnley, Liverpool, Newcastle, Aston Villa, Spurs, Wolves, Lindsay, and Leicester, West Ham, Foxes v Hammers, which sounds like an entry from Kurt Zuma's diary. It's actually a <laughs> Premier League match. The reverse fixture, which saw Mikel Antonio celebrate with a cardboard cutout of himself. Do you remember that? That also seems like I was there for that ago. one. Oh, really? Oh, and, and I saw the setup beforehand. So when they came out to warm up, he came over to where the bench was. I didn't know it was a cardboard cutout, but I knew something was down there because he gestured, oh, I might need that. And I, and I was like, there's something going on here. Um, but yeah, the, the whole dirty dancing. And then he got the film <laughs> wrong, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> Bless. Save the last dance. You know what I remember? The, the lift from the end. Save the last dance. 
Uh, anyway, now Leicester have only won three of their last 11 games in all competitions. They've also got a terrible record against West Ham. Uh, they're going to be taking on Liverpool Thursday night, though, so maybe their run of results has improved at Anfield by the time you hear this, listener. I don't know. So on the offside rule this week, we've actually dissected what has gone wrong at Leicester, mm. um, whether Brendan Rodgers is to blame, because apparently he's now number one for the chop next in the managerial sackings, um, according to the bookies. So you look at the job that he's done. Um, I wondered, and I'm sure Duncan's the one to refer this to, but if there is any correlation between the head of recruitment changes. That was something that I looked back on. I saw that Steve Walsh obviously left the club having assembled that title-winning team. Um, And then 2019, Lee Congerton came in at the club. And it feels like a lot of the purchases, they aren't players, are they, that that they've bought in from abroad. They used to have some really good links with France, as we know, and then develop these players and then they go off to be these great assets. They haven't done that for a while. Is it the recruitment? Yeah, recruitment's, recruitment's a strange one. It's, it, although you can get, even within a, a single person, they can have a couple of seasons of really good recruitment. You know, like Steve Walsh left Leicester to go to Everton and they kind of went, well, we're set now because he made <laughs> Leicester title winners. But it doesn't necessarily work like that. So... Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's also been a flurry of um, physio changes recently, hasn't there? It's quite. I like the idea of a transfer market for physios. Like they issue a come and heal me play or something. But um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, I know Leicester. Did they lose theirs to Palace or or something? So who knows? I'm not sure. Lindsay Spurs taking on Wolves two o'clock on Sunday. No Adama Traore. What's no, the point? No, but he won't, be, he won't be on the other side either, James. Ah, yeah, that's true. Crikey, he could have been, right? Mm. Yeah. He could have been. I wouldn't have liked that. No. But no. Uh, are you sad to see him go? Has the magic gone for you a bit? The magic had started to wane a little. I mean, by the time he actually left, he'd started mm. looking like he was going to score goals again. Yeah. And you also saw how much it meant to him and the rest of the team and how much the club just really loved him. But... I think I was at the ebb in my in my love for him, whereby I was ready for if he was going to go, then go and go to Barcelona. Absolutely, don't want to see him playing against us in any other Premier League team. Mm. Um, that wouldn't have been nice. So I, I can cope with it. Okay, I think well, he he is eternally going to be that player that you think has all of this promise and slightly underdelivers. And I, I wonder whether you'll ever be on par with those two because if it does, it will be electric. Okay. Oiled up and glistening. What a magnificent sight. He was. <laughs> Electric <Duncan's>... and glossy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure what that means, so I'm just going to move on. Duncan, <laughs> um, you said that Vote Veghorst now your favourite player. I'm going to ask Lindsay and Nick. In much the same way that there are actors who you'll go, oh, I will watch that film because they're in it, which footballers will make you give a game your attention? Or, like, name one. Who's your favourite? I mean, we... We, we talked about him earlier, but Sam Maximan. Sam Maximan. Yeah, um, I was just thinking. I was yeah. thinking Sam Maximan's one. A, a classic neutrals favourite. And is uh, there another you, one? Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. I, yeah, I love watching Kevin De Bruyne. The way that he just sprays those balls around, love it. And also, he he has a really good shot on him. Yeah, no, he does. I mean, it, technically, just Cedric Suarez for me. Cedric Suarez. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Duncan? Honest, box to box for a full. Okay, 
Excellent. I was going to say also Bakayo Saka is um, very entertaining. Yeah. Someone I think dur- dur- during the Euros, someone described him as the concept of fun playing football, which um, I quite oh. enjoyed. Oh, Smith Rowe as well. I, I really yeah. like watching Smith Rowe. Matinho for me, though, from Wolves. Crikey, we're getting quite a lot of players. Huh? Anyway, yeah, there you go. Uh, Spurs playing Wolves. Are Wolves going to win that one, Lindsay? Yeah, is that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? I mean, looking at what Saints did, you'd hope. But I, I actually think we're short in attack at the moment. So it's one of those where if Tottenham, as they did against Saints, scored two, I don't think Wolves can score three right, right. now. So I'd take a draw. Wolves are at Tottenham. Chelsea, meanwhile, will be playing at the Emirates. The actual Emirates. Hey. Hey. In the Club World Cup final, in a lovely bumper final part, we'll be getting the latest from Natalie Jedra on the ground in Abu Dhabi and more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite according to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that's got to be good news for all you Man United fans out there, eh? Pre-match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Max free bet £10. Excludes enhanced match shots. T's and C's apply. It's over 18s only. And please, gamble responsibly. It's the 10th of February, listener. Still, I know it's been going on for a while, this podcast, but uh, on this day, 10th of February 1996, Brian Laws through Chicken Wings at Ivano Bonetti. That very same day, quietly, Faustino Sprilia made his Newcastle debut. Coming off the bench in the Tyne Tees derby against Borough and setting up the equaliser. Sprilia. Brandon in the middle, so is Watson. Good skill. Here's Watson! What an entry into the Premiership. Newcastle went on to win 2-1. A great start, but it is a truth universally acknowledged that Asprilia was the extra egg that ruined the pudding that Kevin Keegan was making. And Newcastle had been nine points clear at the top of the table when Asprilia joined. They didn't win the title, and it's all his fault. Duncan, is that fair? 
It's not fair, really. I mean, unless he was employed as, as Darren Peacock's defensive coach, which I'm not sure <laughs> he was, I don't think you can blame him. I mean, if you look at assists from when he joined in right. February to the end of the season, he assisted two more goals than any other player in the Premier League in, in that time span. So he did essentially what he was supposed to do. They just kept on conceding. Um, and that's down to Keegan and his coaching staff, I would I would say. Um, yeah. Mm. Well, you're probably not wrong. Are there any other commonly held footballing truths that you'd like to shatter while while we're here? I don't know if it quite qualifies, but one of my f- uh, a favourite kind of fact, similar uh, exotic signing in and for a northeast club, uh, Fabrizio Ravinelli played. Oh, yeah. uh, he played more games for Derby than he did uh, for Middlesbrough. Which what? Um, yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell you about a single game he played for Derby, but he played more of them for them. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a turn up, hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you score a hat trick on your debut for Middlesbrough, that. You know, people just love stick that. in your mind, didn't it? it yeah. yeah, I think the 1990s was a fertile time for for these things getting lodged in people's heads, and then they kind of stuck there. So, for years, people used to say you need 40 points to stir up in the Premier League, which for a couple of seasons in the in the 90s you did. It's it's around 36 now. We'll, we'll pretty much guarantee you. Yeah, but, the last five seasons, 37 has kept you up, hasn't it? Yeah. But to be fair, I think I've heard that less in the last few years. I think that one is slowly fading from from popular imagination. But the, these things do sort of, you know, Michael Owen, a twenty goal a season striker, never scored more than nineteen in a Premier League season. So, you know, people imagine stuff, and it's not true. Yeah, a lot of food for thought there. Magnificent, thank you. Uh, we've got Natalie Jedra on the line from Abu Dhabi to tell us all about the Club World Cup. Of course, Chelsea are bidding to become only the third Premier League side to win the greatest, most prestigious title in club football. Uh, They're going to be up against Palmeiras on Saturday. May I just mention that you can watch this. It's at 4.30, but you can watch it even though there's that blackout. You can watch this through the blackout because it's in Abu Dhabi. It's not affected for some reason. It's a loophole. Brilliant. So tune into Channel 4 for live football on TV Saturday afternoon. Let's hear a little bit more about Chelsea Palmeiras from Natalie Jedra. Hello, Natalie. Hello, James. Mm, good. How's Abu Dhabi? Very warm and busy because, well, uh, I've been covering for for Brazilian TV, for ESPN Brazil, and Brazilians go crazy about the Club World Cup, so it's a big coverage here. Absolutely. There seem to be loads of green Palmeiras shirts uh, around in in, in pictures I've seen. Uh, Some Chelsea fans as well who were present for Wednesday's semi-final clash with Asian Champions League winners Al-Hilal out of Saudi Arabia. Uh, Were you able to see this game? Yes, yes, I was there and I actually got a chance to speak to a few Chelsea fans uh, because there were a lot of uh, foreigns and Indians and Saudis and uh, supporting Chelsea, people from all over the world supporting Chelsea. But I managed to find a few few British ones who, who made it to, to Abu Dhabi and are following the team, yeah. All right, what did they make of the performance? Romelu Lukaku with the only goal of the game, uh, his first since January the 8th, but... It, it seemed to be as much about the chances that he didn't take, that Chelsea didn't take, as anything else. They almost came a cropper for the second time in a week, indeed. 
Yeah, Kepa had had some work to do uh, on the, on the second half. It wasn't the most inspiring performance from Chelsea, definitely against Al Hilal. You can imagine that these teams, when they play uh, clubs like Chelsea, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So they they really give it all. And Al Hilal, uh, they won their their previous match six uh, one. They are an organized team. They have a good manager, Leonardo Jardim, uh, who who managed uh, Monaco when they reached the semi final in two thousand seventeen. So they were very organized, and they they really tried to attack Chelsea. And and Chelsea didn't respond well on second half. Uh, I think they they looked a bit laggy uh, mm. at times and wasted a few good opportunities, especially on the first. half half uh, on the final third uh, but we had a, a really good performance from from Kovacic uh, Lukaku scored which is always good uh, in terms of confidence for a striker and we'll see but I, I really think uh, Chelsea should step up their performance against Palmeiras because uh, with Palmeiras it's going to be a different different scenario mm-hmm. Lukaku has now scored two goals in 2022 against Chesterfield and Saudi Arabia's Fourth best team, Al-Hilal. Okay, so as you say, Palmeiras, a different magnitude of opponent. Palmeiras, who were 2-0 winners against Al-Ali. End of the road for Al-Ali in the semi-final. With the second goal from Dudu. What a stunner that was. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a great go. Well, Dudu is is the player who's most identified with with Palmeiras today because he he had two spells on the club, and he's been delivering in big moments for a very long time. He knows the club really well, and actually, Palmeiras has been in this process of of change, of deep change uh, for for a while now. Their manager, Abel Ferreira, is a, a Portuguese manager. He's young, he's 43, and he changed absolutely everything in the club. The fans absolutely love him, and he brought that European vision and more professionalism. And Palmeiras is a very organized team due to Abel. So if you ask any fans, oh, who is the main guy in Palmeiras? They're going to say the manager. They're going to say Abel Ferreira because he changed the mentality. He changed the way they play he changed uh formations and he's getting the best out of uh players who weren't uh performing well enough before that uh so palmeiras they they don't have uh that many stars if you might say but mm-hmm. uh but they but they do they, they they're very aware of what they need to do and they're very organized and disciplined and they're, they're playing for their lives against chelsea definitely crikey well as you say south american sides feel this competition so much. They haven't actually won it. The the European sides have won the last eight finals. In fact, the last time that the South American uh, champion won was in 2012. And oh my word, it was against Chelsea Corinthians. What do you think? Are we going to see Palmeiras wrest back the global crown this Saturday? Well, I, I think it really depends on how how Chelsea can behave because if Chelsea can play at their best, they're going to beat Palmeiras. But uh, if they can't reach that level, I think Palmeiras will be definitely very competitive, very competitive. And I, I actually think they, they they may have a chance because they are so focused and because this is so important. Uh, there's an estimate of around 15,000 Palmeiras fans who made it to Abu Dhabi, very long trip. So uh, the atmosphere is going to be all uh, for Palmeiras. 
and th as as I said, th they're very aware of how they they should behave, and they're very disciplined, and they're very focused. This 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 is huge for them. So they are playing for their lives. And Abel Ferreira created this this mentality and this focus uh, for their players. And we know how much talent. And in in normal conditions, Chelsea would beat Palmeiras. But you have all these factors and motivation that that really can play a part in this final, definitely. Crikey, Natalie, amazing. I hope you enjoy the game on, on Saturday and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you, James. Natalie Jedra. Lindsay, I know you saw the game against Al-Hilal. It was you. I did. I enjoyed the coverage, Jimbo. Did you? Great. Okay, <laughs> yeah, fabulous. I did. I was doing the uh, press conference actually afterwards. I didn't ask a oh. question. Oh, you were doing it remotely via Zoom? I was doing it from my office, yeah, and um, it was one of those where I'm so low down the pecking order of mm. journalists for that one because we were doing it from a Premier League angle that right. my, all the questions I would have had got taken. So right. I just sat there in the background and scribbled down notes. But um, I think it's an interesting one about Kepper and, and Mendy and who will mm. start the final now. Yeah, because Mendy's back from AFCON, his triumph there. Any word yet on whether... Thomas Tuchel, who himself had to be doing his work via Zoom for the semi-final, having tested positive for, for COVID, whether he'll be able to uh, yeah, that was there. covered as well, actually, by one of uh, one of the journalists uh, before they got to me. Um, yeah, he actually um, is having another test soon. Mm -hmm. If he gets a negative, they're hoping mm -hmm. he could fly out for the final. But Brilliant. there's not no confirmation on that. But they're hoping to get him out there. Must be a fr imagine if you were in the if you're doing a press conference and you, Duncan Alexander's got the question before you and he he goes with how many letters cats and dogs <laughs> in your team's players and you're like yeah I but they'd like it refreshing it would have been refreshing it wouldn't have taken my question away no yeah. that's for sure but yeah. it might have taken the time away Lindsay that's my yeah but done. no I'm only I'm only joshing Duncan did we ever resolve that question by the way cats were ahead. You can hear I my can hear dog, dog getting involved. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, the top. Go and give it a kick, Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> because I went quiet doesn't mean I acted on that on that instruction. Right. You know, fair enough. Which okay. is clearly a an attempt to make light of a desperately awful situation. Well, that video's getting released. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're still going on going on the the form this week. You'll still get picked for the next edition of the podcast. So right. So you, yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. Sorry, Duncan, you were going to say something. I just thought of a re another really good um, truth that was disproven by data. Do oh, yeah? It? It's a bit late. Which is the, the famous classic Manchester United team of Schmeichel, Gary Neville, Irwin, mm. oh. Pallister, Jonsson, that one. They only played once in the Premier League, which right. Manchester United fans, it baffles them, which, which is fair enough. And you know, I've had people say, no, 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 I was at this game. And they definitely all started that game. And then, lo and behold, there's a there's a Jesper Blunkvist messing it up. Or a Nicky Crikey. Butt. That's the way it goes. There you go. Our perceptions of reality. That's what it's all about, listener. We'll be back with more thoughts on that and football uh, on Monday, reacting to, well, those games that we just uh, mentioned. And much, much more, of course, for now. It's many, many thanks to Lindsay and to Nick and to Duncan and producer Charlie. And you listener, have a great weekend. Keep it totally. We'll be back with you on Monday. Bye-bye for now. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. 
Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.